Amen. So let's pray together and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning because I believe He's going to and I believe the Lord wants to change our life. Father, we thank You for this morning. Father, we are humbled to be in Your presence. And Lord, we thank You that as we open up the Word this morning, that Lord, it would be a new day for us. Lord, that this would be a breakthrough for us. Lord, that it would, be, it would do something real in our lives because it has the power to do so. So Father, we pray this morning that as Lord, as I speak, that you would speak through me, God. Lord, that people would receive visions and download wisdom from heaven, Lord. And, and the Holy Spirit would begin to reveal things in our hearts and in our lives that need to change in order for us to grow. So, Father, we thank you in advance for the amazing things that are going to happen this morning. Lord, that we would, we would leave this place and we would feel changed. Lord, that we would feel rejuvenated. That we would feel excited, Lord, in adventure to respond to the calling that you have on each one of our lives, Lord. And that today we would be equipped to make a greater difference in the world around us. Lord, we love you and we give you all the praise and all of the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you got your Bibles this morning... And I hope that you do. If not, you can look on your phone, your iPad, whatever it takes, because we do read from the Bible here at Church on the Rock North. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Thank you, Kelly. I, it sounds beautiful, but I, I know you'll get tired if you play the entire sermon. So thank you. Thank you, worship team. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Change equals growth. Everybody say change equals growth. Okay, not everybody did that. You're still searching in your Bible. For Corinthians, second degree, you're still trying to find it. Change equals growth. Everybody say change, change. equals growth. You know, here is the idea behind Christianity. Here's the idea. Here's the purpose of Christianity. Is it this? Christianity was actually used as a derogatory term in the Bible. It meant followers of the way. It didn't become popular until generations later people formed this word Christian, but it was used in a more derogatory term in the Bible. People that followed Jesus were called something else. They were called disciples. And you have to understand this, that we are disciples of Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. And the purpose of Christianity, the whole purpose of Christianity is to bring glory to God. But the way that we do that is the purpose of Christianity is for your life, for you, to look like Jesus. You see, my life is not about becoming a better me. My life is not about when people see me, they see a great Ryan Castile. My life is about when people see me, they see the nature of Jesus coming out of me. They see the presence of the Lord coming out of me. It's not necessarily about you becoming a better you. Luke 6.40 says this. It says that the student cannot be greater than the master. But if he's fully trained and if he's fully discipled, he will become like the master. He's talking about disciples there. So he said, Jesus, we will never become greater than Jesus. Not even close. But he says, but because G Jesus disciples you and because he trains you, he says this. You will become like Jesus. Not you will become a better Ryan Castile. Not that you will become a better you. But you will become and you will start to look like and you will be a mirror that reflects Jesus. So that when people see me and when people have an encounter with me 
And when people have an encounter with you, and people bump into you, what do they feel? What do they sense? What do they see? What do they hear? They sense Jesus. That is the purpose of Christianity. Because there is no way, there is no power that you have to become a better you. Because Jesus in John 15, when he's talking about the vine and the branches, and he's saying, listen, you got to stay connected to me. He's saying, listen, there's no power in you becoming a better you. People, they buy self-help books all the time. They go to conferences all the time to get help for themselves to become a better you. And listen, I'm not against those things. I think they're just missing a key part, and that's Jesus. You see, because if you had the ability, understand, catch this with me this morning. If you had the ability to become a better you, then Jesus would have never had to die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that you could have a relationship with Him, so that you could have a relationship with the Father, so Jesus' nature could start to flow through you. Not so that your character would get better, but so the character of Christ could be manufactured and begin to flow through you. And when people see you, they don't say, man, that guy's got great character. They say, there's something different about that guy. I see Jesus in him. That is the purpose of Christianity. I'll never forget when I was in high school. I'll never forget this, even though it was years ago. A, a buddy of mine who I went to school with, played sports with all my life. He, uh, he, he didn't serve the Lord, had never been born again, never got saved. And I tried ministering to him, but he just rejected and rejected and rejected. And then I, I'll never forget our senior year. He called me up late at night. It was like 1130 on a, on a school night. We were seniors in high school. He calls me up and he's crying and he says, man, I just, and he begins to just explain, I want, I want something different. I want to change my life. He says, and I look at your life and I see that there's something different about you. And he says this, I want whatever it is that you got. And I said, well, this is simple. All you got to do is get born again because I want to introduce you to Jesus. See, he didn't see he didn't see me. He didn't see the greater guy. He saw something different in me. He saw a greater power at work in me. And that is the purpose of Christianity. That is growth. And you say, well, what is growth? You know, a lot of people can say growth is success and, and growth is promotion and growth is lots of money and growth is a, is a healthy family and a big family and growth is people liking me and and, and me having relationships with people. Yeah, those things can be attributed to growth. But growth, spiritual growth, eternal growth, growth in your life that makes a difference in other people's lives is equivalent to you looking like Jesus. Because growing people grow people. When you are growing, you grow people around you. It becomes contagious. People catch on. And when you're growing and you're feeding and people are feeding you and you're being fed by the Word of the Lord and you begin to grow, people around you begin to grow because growing people grow people. And that is the equivalent of growth is you looking like Jesus. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version first. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, he's talking to the believers, he's talking to us, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, are being transformed. Understand that. Catch that. That's a key phrase there. Not, not was transformed, not will be transformed, but present tense, are being transformed. That's a key phrase. Into the same image 
from glory to glory. Glory to glory translates from level to level, which means growth. Translates from glory to glory, level to level, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The New Living Translation says this, So all of us have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So, our being transformed, not was transformed, not will be transformed, but are being transformed present tense right now. Which means this, that when you got born again and you got saved, in light of eternity, things changed in your life. In light of eternity, not, not this earth, but in light of eternity, when you got saved and you got born again and you came down to the altar, or you had a moment, whatever it is that you did or wherever it was that you were, in light of eternity, something happened. You gained salvation and you gained relationship with the Father. Something that cannot be taken away from you. You gained eternity with God. You knew you had a certainty of your salvation. In light of eternity, that changed. That instant. You became certain of your eternity and your salvation. But in light of this present world, nothing changed in your life. You say, well, what do you mean, Ryan? I mean, when you got saved and you got born again and you walked away and you, you, get, you felt better. You felt better and you knew that there was something going on in your life. But you know what? You still had the same issues. You still had the same strongholds. You still had the same pride. You still had the same insecurity. You still had the same fears. And you still had the same doubts. And you think, what do I do now? You see, Jesus, in light of eternity, something happened. But you still had to deal with who you are. See, what happens is this, because it says you are being transformed by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, to make you look like Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's just like this. Imagine an old... Uh, junk car in a junkyard beat up not worth anything except the scrap metal you are that junk car jesus shows up to the junkyard he buys you out of the junkyard he buys you and he takes you out of the junkyard when he buys you with what he did on the cross you are bought and you belong to him but the only thing is now you are still a piece of junk well, that's encouraging. Thanks, Ryan. Glad I came to church this morning. You come to church, the preacher calls you a piece of junk. You are still that piece of junk who needs a lot of work. And here's what happens. Catch this. Catch this. Jesus buys you. You belong to him. Then the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, shows up and he begins to transform you. And he doesn't do it all at once because you couldn't handle it all at once. He begins to transform you and he says, you know what? I think today you're going to get a new hood. We're going to replace that old hood. We're going to replace that old problem you've been dealing with forever. We're going to go to work and we're going to begin to transform. But it's not all at once. And then, oh, later on we're going to get rid of those old tires and we're going to give you some new tires. And then we're going to, after a while, when you're ready and you can handle the weight of your things of God, we're going to put that new engine inside that car. The Holy Spirit begins to go to work on you and you are being transformed into the image of Jesus. Every day, 
It's not an overnight process, but the Holy Spirit begins to work on you. And gradually, you start to look more and more like Jesus. Because that's the end goal. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He transforms us into the image, moving us from glory to glory, moving us from level to level so that we look like Jesus more and more. But here's where it gets tough. You are responsible for the changes that you make in your life. The Holy Spirit is not a bully. The Holy Spirit is not going to put you in a headlock and force you to make the necessary changes in order for you to see growth. It doesn't work that way. We know it doesn't work that way because when you go all the way back to the beginning and the way God created us, He created us a free moral agent, which means you can make up your own choices. You have, your own, you have your own will and you can decide whatever you want to do. And you don't have to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to respond to the transformation of the Holy Spirit. And when He begins to go to work on you, you can stiff arm the Holy Spirit and say, No, I refuse to change. I refuse to stay in my issues and I refuse to stay in my strongholds. You don't have to change even though you are responsible to change. But people think that I'm going to end up here naturally. But wait, we're responsible for the changes made in our life. Here's a couple of quotes on change that I really, really like. Uh, James Gordon of the New York Herald, he founded the New York Herald back when it was around the, the, the paper. It says this, It's not that some people have willpower and some don't. It's that some people are ready to change and some are not. It's not that some people have willpower and some don't. It's some are ready to change and some are not. You know, I was explaining to a lady one time that, you know, said she didn't have any faith. I just don't have any faith. And I corrected her right then and I said, listen, that's not right because everybody has been given a measure of faith. If you say, I don't have any faith, it's just like you saying, I don't have a muscle. That would be incorrect. Everybody has a muscle. It's just some muscles are easier to see than others. Other people have been working out their muscles and been toning their body and working out more. And you can clearly see the muscles. But everybody has a muscle. And for you to say, I have no willpower. I have no discipline. I have no power to change. That would be an incorrect statement. Just like you saying, I don't have a muscle. Now, when you see somebody, you might see willpower more active in somebody else's life. I see Josh, he wakes up at like, like, I mean, four in the morning, right? Four in the morning, every morning. He has great discipline. My dad, the same thing. They have great discipline. I wake up a little bit later than that. I don't have to be at work early, that early, but I, I wake up about five, three or six. But I see more willpower at work in other people's lives than I do some people. But it would be incorrect for them to say, I just don't have any willpower. And for you to use that as an excuse to opt out of changing. Everybody has a measure of willpower. It's just, are you ready to make the necessary change? The next quote is this. John Osteen, the father of Joel Osteen, who's uh, in heaven now, he says this. Their want to just hasn't gotten big enough yet. Their want to just hasn't gotten big enough yet. When your want to gets big enough, and you want to change enough, you will then begin to grow. And then you will, you will start to look like Jesus. 
But their want to just hasn't gotten big enough. I was talking to a guy one time who came and, and he came up to me and he wanted to pray for like the 1700th time. And uh, bless his heart, just have grace and we love people, but we want to lead people into a life of righteousness. And, I, and, and man, he wanted to be delivered of the issues that, that it were in his life. That he continued to struggle with day in and day out and day in and day out. And because of the spirit of discernment, I just saw something in his life. Thank God for the spirit of discernment. Because he just kept struggling with the same thing. And I said, and I said to this, this young man, I said, you know why that you won't be delivered of this problem today? He said, why? And I said, because you like it too much. You see, God has this inability to be able to deliver you when you like something more than you like being delivered. God can't move when you choose to like something more than you be delivered. You see, you know why? Because you can have your life. You can have your issues. You can have your strongholds. You can have your insecurities. You can have your fears. You can have your doubts. You can have your life if you want it. But when your want to gets big enough, that's when God begins to show up mighty in your life. Your want to has to get big enough. That's the only way to see growth happen in our life. Here's another one. Karen Clark, a politician. Not that we take everything to the bank that they say, but hey, some of them have some good things to say. Uh, says this, life is change. Life is change. Growth is optional. Choose wisely. Life is change, which means this. Life is going to change around you. Whether you want it to or not, life is going to change. People are going to evolve. People are going to move on. And seasons are going to come and go after spring is going to come summer. I know this because it's happened over and over again. And I know this because this is the way it works. Life is going to change. Different seasons are going to come. But I don't have to choose to grow. That's my option. Life has changed, but growth is optional. I can choose to stay where I am. I can choose not to be promoted. I can choose to still have the same family situation. I can choose to still have the same financial situation. I can choose to still have the same heartbreak. I can choose to still be fearful. I can choose to still have doubt. I can choose to still have insecurities. Or I can choose to grow. But growth is optional. It's up to me. The Holy Spirit moves on me and He convicts me and He wants to transform me and He wants to help me grow to make me look like Jesus. But it is completely up to me if I want that to happen in my life. Because growth is optional. It's absolutely up to you. Here's another one. The last quote is this. Uncertainty and discomfort are GPS readings to growth. I love that. Uncertainty, it's an unknown... Uh, author. Uncertainty and discomfort are GPS readings to grow. When things begin to be uncertain, when things begin to be uncomfortable, you know you are on the right track to growth because you are changing. You are doing something that you've never done before. You're acting in a way, you're submitting to things that you've never submitted to before. You're surrendering things that you've never surrendered for. And, it, and it's new and it's a little bit uncomfortable and it's stretching. And, and, and man, sometimes even it's a little bit embarrassing. And sometimes it may cost you more than it serves you. But you know what? That means you're on track to growing. Because it's stretching you. That's how the disciples looked with Jesus all the time. They were constantly getting stretched and they were constantly getting things wrong and it was making them uncomfortable and they thought they had things right and then they would, Jesus would show up and throw a wrench and everything and it would just, it would mess up all of their theology. But you know what? They were on the track to growth. But growth is produced 
by change. That's something you have to understand. Growth is produced by change. And the problem is, is that most people want things to stay the same, but they want their life to get better. That's, that's the, if we can break it down, that's the real honest motive here of, of my heart, of your heart, is that most people want things to stay the same. They, they don't want anything to change. I don't want anything to mess up my routine. I don't want to, I don't want anything to mess up of how comfortable I am in life. I don't want to be stretched. I don't want to be molded. I don't want to be shaped. I, I, I want to be comfortable. I want to choose my own life. We don't want things to change, but yet we want our life to get better, to prosper, to be promoted, to look like Jesus. And that, my friend, is impossible. In order for you to grow, in order for you to look more like Jesus, it is inevitable that things have to change in your life. That growth is produced by change and that you have to make the necessary changes that brings about growth in your life. And, and here's something that, that doesn't really get preached that often. Healthy change in your life, it happens one inch at a time. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Healthy change happens one inch at a time. And you know what? That, that doesn't get preached very often because that doesn't preach very well. People want to get excited and all riled up and everything like that and, 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 and get excited and go out and have lunch. But you know what? Healthy change, it happens one inch at a time in your life because it's a marathon. It's not an overnight process. You know, when you look at, you, when you look at Paul, the great apostle in the Bible, he wrote over two-thirds in the New Testament. Paul. The first missionary, the first apostle, man of God who moved in great power and great miracles. I mean, he did incredible things. He wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. He is an inspiration to all of us this morning. He is a God that we would want to aspire to be like. I mean, he was an amazing man who did amazing things in the New Testament. But here's what most people don't know. Most people don't know that after Paul got saved and he had his conversion... Paul, immediately after his conversion, he moved to uh, Arabia and Tarsus and the surrounding areas for about nine or ten years before he ever went on his first missionary journey. But there's not much there. Though. It's in Acts 9, or around verse 29. Not many people focus on that, that he spent ten years before he ever did anything for the Lord. What was he doing? He was in a season of growth. He was changing. You know why? Because healthy change happens one inch at a time. Even Paul, the great apostle, who rose people from the dead, who healed the sick and healed the lame, and who wrote these beautiful passages and who had inspiration and revelation from heaven, even him, he had to change one inch at a time. Healthy change happens that one inch at a time. So don't get discouraged if you're not raising the dead yet. Don't get discouraged if you don't know where a book in the Bible is yet. Because it happens one inch at a time. My goal is for you to look at last year and say, you know what? I'm a little farther than I was last year. I'm growing, praise God. You have to understand, before King David ever took over Israel, before he ever became the king of Israel, it was over 20 years before God called him and he stepped in to be king of Israel. What was happening in that span of time? Healthy change. 
change one inch at a time. He didn't all of a sudden, you're, you're called and you're anointed at 17 years old to be the king of Israel. And then all of a sudden, bam, you're the king of Israel. No, David had a lot of growing to do. He had a lot of surrendering to do. He had a lot of changing to do. Joseph, with the same thing, over 23 years before Joseph, became the governor of Egypt. What are they doing in this span of time? They are changing in order to see growth happen in their life. But healthy change happens one inch at a time. But here's where we get hung up. Here's where we get hung up. Most people get hung up in intentional growing. Because intentions are not the cause of growth. They're just the birthplace. Everybody I know and I talk to intends on growing. Their desire for their life is to grow. Their desire, 99.9% of the people I talk to, the desire for their life is they want to be like Jesus. The desire for their life is they want to grow. They want to be promoted. They want to be successful. They want to know the Bible more. They want to pray more. I've yet to talk to somebody that would come to me and say, you know what, I just don't really want to pray anymore. I don't really want to read the Bible anymore. I don't really want to grow anymore. I'm satisfied exactly where I'm at. 99% of people intend on growing in their life. But we know intentions are not the cause of growth. Change is. Intentions are just the birthplace. Desire is just the birthplace. If, if I load up everything that I own, because I, I love to surf and, and uh, I love to go on surf trips, go to California sometimes, go out of the country to do some surfing and things like that. If I load up all of my surfboards, and I've got a few of them, and I load up my bathing suit, I load up my tank tops and my flip-flops, I get my sunscreen packed and I pack for California. My intention is to arrive in California and go surfing with my buddies. That's my intention. That's my desire. So I'll load up everything. I get in the driveway and we hold hands together and we pray for traveling mercies. God bless us on our trip to California. Let us have great waves and great fun. Let us enjoy our time together. My intention is to go to California. But if I get on Highway 69 North, I will never arrive in California. It doesn't matter what my intentions are. It doesn't matter what my desire is. Because it's my direction that determined where I ended up. It was the path that I was on that determined where I ended up. Not what my intention was. Your intentions will not cause you to grow. Your desire for growth will not cause you to grow. Only the changes that you make in your life and that you get tenacious about and that you get aggressive about making are what cause growth to happen in your life. Change is what produces growth. Not intention. I've got a, I've got a big feeling that a lot of people will stand before Jesus one day when they give an account of their life and they will want to hear Jesus say certain words, but they will not hear those words. Because all the while they never changed, but they had an intention to change. Listen, let me get real with you. Let me get honest with you. If your finances are messed up, quit intending for them to change and start getting aggressive about them changing. If your family... It's messed up, and you have a bad family situation right now, and your house is in chaos. 
Quit intending for you to have a better spiritual family and grab your family together and say, listen, this family, we're going to make some necessary changes and we're going to start reading our Bible together. We're going to start praying together and we're going to start praying over each other. And this is going to be a house that serves the Lord. We are going to make the changes necessary in order to see growth happen in our life. If you're not where you want to be in your job, start doing above and beyond to make the necessary changes that get your boss's attention to get you promoted. Because if you want to see that kind of growth, you have to get aggressive with making the changes. What do I have to do? What do I have to be? Holy Spirit, what is it on the inside of me that needs to change so that I can see growth happen in my life? You know, I, I, I remember just, just probably just a, a years ago, probably, well, probably eight, eight, nine, ten years ago, somewhere around then, where I just knew that I had a calling to be in ministry. And I wanted to serve the Lord. But you know what? I didn't want to wake up early and I didn't want to seek the Lord. I didn't want to wake up early. And, and, and I would try to look for things and I'd say, you know, well, we, we don't have to be legalistic about this, but maybe, you know, maybe it's okay. Was it daytime that Jesus got up? But then you read it and it says a great while before day. Hmm. What does the Greek translation of that meant? Sun, sun, I mean, to get up at dark is like, I, I want to see daylight. I want the sun to hit my face. But the Lord began to work on me and said, if you want to see a greater level of intimacy and responsibility in your life, you've got to wake up early and seek me. Listen, this is my own medicine. Don't, don't, you, you prescribe to what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. But the Holy Spirit began to work, wake, just wake me up early in the morning and say, listen, the more responsibility I give you, Ryan, the more intimacy you need to get with me. The more intimacy you need to get with me, the more time that you need to spend in the presence. And that means waking up early. My intention was to grow, but I knew I needed to make a change in order to see that growth happen in my life. And here's where some of us get stuck, and I'm almost done. Here's where a lot of us get stuck at. Is that change is the result of tough decisions. Change is the result of tough decisions. Matthew 16, 24 says this, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Change is the result of tough decisions that we have to make. When Jesus called you to be a follower, he said, listen, if you really want to come after me, there's some things that's going to cost you. And sometimes when it comes to serving the Lord, it will cost you more than it serves you. Now, it will serve you in the long run. And the reward is Jesus. The re reward is always greater than what it initially cost you. Because it's initial freedom versus eventual freedom. Man, this, initially this doesn't feel like freedom right now because these are tough choices. These are tough changes I'm having to make in my life. But what happens? It turns into eventual freedom. Where you breathe a sigh of relief and you go, thank God we made the necessary changes in order to grow. It's eventual freedom. But understand that sometimes it's just going to cost you more than it serves you. 
And sometimes it's going to cause you to be aggressive and you to have to get tough. And, and it might be a little embarrassing. It might be a little hard. It, 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 it might be in completely uncomfortable. But these things are necessary because Jesus said, if you really want to be a follower, you deny yourself and you take up your cross. It's going to cost you in order to grow. The question is, is how bad do you really want to grow? Because you don't have to if you don't want to. You know, when I, I, I made the change and responded to the Spirit of the Lord speaking in my life, it wasn't an easy decision for me to lay down leadership here at the church. It's all I've known for the last 16 years. It's all I've known is to be a part and, and, and to serve and, and to work with the youth and been doing that for eight years now, and, and it, it's all I knew. But you know what? I immediately, the Spirit of the Lord, because this was in my heart, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, change is the result of tough decisions. And you know what? I see growth happening in the student ministry because of that. Because tra growth can come from transition, and I believe that growth can come in my own life and, and enter into the next season of my life, but it's the result of a tough decision. Not continuing to go in the same way, but making the daily choices that are difficult sometimes. You know, when we read about guys like Smith Wigglesworth and Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln and A.W. Tozer and all these great revivalists and these great men of history that did incredible things that we idolize almost and we read about their... I love to read about their biographies, man. I just love to get inspired. Dietrich Bonhoeffer and these guys and the cost of discipleship. And it's just so inspiring to me. Albert Einstein and Benjamin Franklin and these guys. Man, it's just, oh, man, it gets me so excited. But you know what? We have something in common with all of the greats in history. We also have 24 hours in a day. But do you know why they are so remembered and did such great things? Because they were willing to make the tough decisions. Smith Wigglesworth was, was carried the presence of God so much that when he would step on a train, people around him would instantly begin to weep because they would feel the presence of God. He wouldn't have to say anything. His shadow, people would, would run across his shadow and they would instantly be physically healed because of the power that's in his shadow. Do you know why? Because he spent hours a day in the presence of God. Because he made the tough decision of, you know what? I want it this bad, and I'm willing to change this much in order to see it happen in my life. But those guys had the same amount of hours that we do in a day. The only difference is they were willing to make the tough decisions that sometimes were not. It's a tough decision sometimes to make the necessary changes. And you know, and, and, and let's be honest, we, co we, we come to church and, and we sing and, and we feel inspired and we feel moved and we feel the presence of God and emotionally we feel so, so alive. And it feels great. And the presence of God moved in our life. And Sunday, we just feel on top of the world. And we're ready to carry on the mission. And we're ready to, to fulfill the Great Commission and fulfill our calling. But then Monday morning comes around. And it's time to walk in that same kind of nature. And it becomes a difficult decision. Monday morning, the alarm goes off. 
and you want to wake up an hour to spend time with the Lord, and you want to wake up an hour to seek the Lord to get in His presence so that you can begin to grow, and what do you want to reach over and do? You instantly want to hit the snooze. Because I desire me more than I desire growth. And then all of a sudden, you remember the statement I said that change is the result of a hard decision. Change is the result of the hard decisions that we make. The hard decisions that we make with our family, the hard decisions that we make with our finances, the hard decisions that we make with our jobs, the hard decisions that we make every day that cause us to change, stretch us, cause us to be uncomfortable, but they cause us to growth. And what happens? We look more and more like Jesus. Imagine this as we close this morning. Imagine this. Imagine a church. Imagine a church where every one of its members would say, no matter how hard it's going to be, no matter what I have to go through, and no matter what it's going to cost me, I'm going to change. I'm going to make the necessary changes in order to see growth happen in my life. Imagine a church where every one of its members was spiritually growing, financially growing, their families were growing, their church was growing. Imagine a church that looked just like that. If every member was surrendered to change. So let me ask you this in closing with just these three questions. When you think about your life, because there's something that I do monthly, there's something that I do yearly. I revisit monthly. How did the month go for me? When I take an analysis of my life and I begin to look at my life, I look at the month previous and say, how was this month for me? What did my life look like this month? And then I go back at the end of the year and I begin to revisit and I begin to review annually and look at the year past and see how I did that year and see. And it's not a condemnation thing, it's a growing thing. It's to think, well, what do I do? These are some questions I ask myself. What areas am I not growing in? I would hope that you would be honest with yourself. That you would begin to think on these things and say, you know what? What are the areas that I'm not growing in? Right, I'm prospering in my business and I'm prospering in my job and I'm making good money, but as far as spiritually, you know what? I'm just not growing. I'm not reading my Bible and I'm, I'm not praying. I, I don't think I've gotten any farther spiritually than when I started coming to this church. I, I just don't think I'm growing spiritually right now. I don't feel any farther down the road. Or you say, well, Ron, I, I'm coming to church and, and, and man, I, I'm figuring all this out, but I, I'm not growing in my finances. Every year, it's just, I'm just getting beat up and my family's getting beat up and I can't seem to grow in my finances. And every year, it's just more month and we got money and we struggle and we struggle, we struggle, we struggle with debt and we struggle with all these things. And we're just not growing in our finances. And every year, it looks like the previous year, we're not doing any better. You say, Ron, my family's getting scattered and I just don't feel like we're growing as a family. I don't feel like we're growing as the Lord intends for the family to grow. And I don't feel like we're growing closer together and we're growing spiritually together. I feel like everything in our world is just chaotic. And, and, and our house is not in order and my kids are just running rampant and they're making their own decisions and, and, and they're making crazy and they're not listening to me. And I just don't feel like I'm in control. And I don't feel like I have any order. What are the areas that you need to grow in? Ron, my marriage is tough. 
I don't know how to grow in my marriage. I want to do the right thing, but we can't seem to do the right thing. We fight all the time and we argue all the time. And our marriage just doesn't seem to grow and it doesn't seem to be evolving into what the marriage is supposed to look like and to what God instituted in the beginning. When you think about your life, what are the areas that I'm not growing in? What are the areas I'm not bearing fruit in? What are the areas that are fruitless in my life? Then the next question is this, what are the changes that I need to make in order to see growth happen? I can't tell you what those changes are. Only the Holy Spirit can speak to you and tell you what the changes are that you need to make in order to see growth. And the last question is this. When I begin to do all this and I begin to make the necessary changes, what is this going to do for my life and others around me? That's the inspiration part. If I really do this and if I really change and I really begin to grow, what is this going to do for my life and others around me? You see, because growth is not about just enriching your own life, even though that's a benefit. Growth is not about your life being enriched, but it's about your life being enriched and enriching others' lives around you. Because you have one life and you have to make it count. And as you begin to grow and people begin to see Jesus, it begins to affect all the people around you. How many people do you really think that you could change if you were doing it just on your own and not changing? And how many people do you think you could change when you surrender to change and you begin to grow and people see Jesus in you? What are the possibilities then? Before we pray, you know when I read the Bible, I don't read it because it's just a great book. I don't read it just because I want to be better. I don't read it because I want people to notice me and and look how much scripture I can quote or look how much I know. You know, I read this because I want to be like someone. Because I want to be like Jesus. And I want people to see him at work in my life. And I want people to see his nature at work in my life as well. Change is what produces growth in our life. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we love you this morning. Lord, and we're so thankful, Lord, for your word that's, Lord, been preserved for thousands of years in order to teach us and instruct us. And Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. That the Holy Spirit is, is molding us and shaping us. And even though it's uncomfortable sometimes, and God, even though it, 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 it hurts sometimes, Lord, I pray and I thank you that we know that the end result is growth and it's making us look more and more like you. So Father, I pray, Lord, with, with all of the strength that we have inside us, God, that we would move past intention, that we would move past desire, and we would begin to make the necessary changes in order to see growth happen in our life. Lord, that when the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, when you begin to speak to us about the changes we need to make, we would begin to listen, we would begin to surrender, and be willing to make those changes so that we can look more and more like the image of Jesus. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. Father, I bless every single person in this room this morning. Father, I know that your desire is to bless them, Lord, to bless their family. 
Lord, to bless them physically. Lord, to bless them financially. Lord, to bless their family. Lord, uh, to bless them spiritually. Lord, I know that you have a desire to see them grow, Father. So right now, Father, we just pray that every single person would receive this word. Lord, that it would just become uh, uh, almost a bothersome to us that where we just hear it in our spirit every single day that change is what produces growth, that we have to move past intentionality. So, Father, I pray that you would help us with this, God. And, Lord, even when it gets tough, that you would give us the strength to keep going and keep moving so that we can keep growing. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. I want to encourage you next to come back next week if you're a visitor, if you're a first-time guest. I want you to encourage us, uh, encourage you to come back and meet our pastor. Like Josh said, he's in San Antonio uh, being with friends right now as my bell gets set in as the pastor. So if you're a visitor or first-time guest with us, please come back and, and meet our pastor. I know he would love to meet you. He already t- sent me a text and said, tell everybody I'm missing them and I'm loving them. And so... Uh, be sure and, and come back next week. We've got a lot, of thing, a lot of great things going on around this church. This is a great church. It's a great church to be involved with, and there's, there's so much to do, and it's just not to keep you busy, but it's to keep you plugged in and to keep investing in you so that you can invest in other people. Amen. And it's great to be a part, okay? So everybody stand up. We're going to go out with a shout like we always do here at Church in the Rock North because we like to get loud. And uh, I want you to have a blessed week. Just praying blessings on your life this, this week. And praying this message just really sets up residence in your heart. And it just causes some real thing, and a real eye-opener, a real change in your life. So let's go out with a shout, and then we're going to have a great day. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week.